Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Marianne Harris. Welcome to The Rockstar and The Nanny, the new podcast from the true crime series, New Idea Investigates. Some listeners may find some of the content in this podcast distressing. Penny Hill had left her home in country Narrabri to start her first job as a nanny looking after the three small children of Cole Bajant, former Aussie rock star with the band Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. And three days later, she was dead. This is the work of a bad man. A bad man's done this. I never thought I would go... 27 years and still not know. Who would protect a mongrel like that? And the pain hasn't gone away. Please help us. I miss And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You sit down mother and to mother and tell another mother what may have happened to her daughter. I feel a bit of a failure because I didn't save her. And seeing your daughter like that who's virtually unrecognisable. It'd be just terrible. You believe she could have known her killer? Oh, I've about a doubt. Did you kill Penny Hill? Penny Hill, only 20 years old, had been brutally bashed and left for dead against a gatepost in Coola, country New South Wales. The tiny northwest town of Coola is in shock tonight after the brutal bashing of a young woman. 20-year-old Penny Hill was dumped and left for dead by the road outside town. Just three days earlier, the smiling, bubbly Penny had left her home in the small town of Narrabri to start her very first job as a nanny, looking after the three small children of former Aussie rock star Cole Bajant and his wife Barbara. Penny was rushed to hospital and two weeks later died from her injuries. She never regained consciousness and was never able to point the finger at her killer. The murder of Jeanette and Felix's naive, trusting young daughter led to one of Australia's biggest homicide investigations with hundreds of DNA tests, several prime suspects, two inquests and multiple rewards. 27 years later, and it is one of Australia's most baffling and heartbreaking cold cases. Her devastated mum, Jeanette, had agreed to do this podcast in the hope of finding that last piece of the puzzle that would finally see justice for her daughter. You never give up hope that one day somebody, you know, will come forward or someone that knows something. It's hard not knowing very hard and I never thought I would go 27 years and still not know. 
In the first two episodes, we heard that even though it had been a big weekend in Coolar, with thousands of visitors for three major sporting events, detectives believed this was no random attack and that Penny had known her killer. Investigators had several prime suspects, including the Blackstump Motel cook Bob Lee, a loner and firearms enthusiast with a criminal record, and Ross Kiddo, a professional golfer who allegedly attacked his girlfriend in a domestic incident the night Penny was bashed. Both vehemently denied any involvement. On the night she was murdered, Penny had two phone calls, one to her mum, the second to her boyfriend, Shane Williams. It is her movements after those calls the detectives have painstakingly tried to put together. They still haven't found the scene of the crime. And this is where Penny was found the next morning. No one can explain what happened in those hours between the motel and here. It was as if she'd fallen from the sky. The soles of her boots were not dirty and there were no drag or shoe marks near her, even though it had been a wet, dewy morning when she was bashed. Detectives were certain that Penny had been attacked somewhere else and then carried to the roadside and dumped like a bag of rubbish. I went to Penny's funeral because I thought if I see anyone there that doesn't belong there from Cooler, any locals I might recognise them and, you know, be able to put two and two together. But I didn't, of course. And Jeanette took me aside and she asked me a few questions and um, she wanted, I guess she, she wanted to know if Penny had suffered. And as a mother to a mother... The only thing I could say to her was, no, I don't think she did. I think it was whatever. I think they hit her very quickly. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. You sit down mother and to mother and tell another mother what may have happened to her daughter. And she wanted to know whether it appeared she'd been sexually assaulted. And I could honestly say, no, it didn't appear that way. Her clothes weren't at all dishevelled. That was so hard. But it was the 2010 discovery of a hidden compartment in room 14 under the bed where Penny had slept that would give the investigation its biggest breakthrough. Inside the compartment, found during renovations by the new owners of the Blackstump Motel, was the butt of a sawn-off shotgun and a used condom. Detective Sergeant Jason Darcy from the Western Region Unsolved Homicide Squad, who'd been running the cold case since 2008, said the discovery of the hidden compartment led to the second inquest in 2012 and inevitably threw the spotlight onto former rock drummer Colin Bajant and his wife Barbara. We had nothing to do with it. May God strike my children dead. Not a thing to do with it. The box was found in 2010 under the floor of the motel room after new owners of the Blackstunt Motel Narell and David undertook renovations. The secret compartment was a huge find for the investigation. It did beg the question why the first team of investigators hadn't found it when it was so obviously placed right underneath the victim's bed. Narell and David remember the day they found the box vividly. So Penny's room was room 14? Yep. Yeah. What do you remember of, of, the, of the day that you guys were cleaning out that room and how much of a surprise was it that you found something? And- oh, yeah, it was just, um, I mean, it was a surprise. But as I said, I always had a feeling there'd be something else. And I don't know, just 
just we just I don't know, I just felt like they we were going to hear more about Penny. Uh, my brother was here, and we were uh, my father was here. And we were dismantling the the bed, which was actually built into the wall, the floor. So I was pulling off the the boards that covered the uh, the base of the bed, and that's that's what I found the stuff out of the bed. At first, I didn't take much notice. It was was a, 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 a then it was recognisable. Really, it was a rifle butt and a and a roll of toilet paper. But uh, the, since then, they found there's other things there. But um, we didn't. I didn't straight away think anything about Penny. So, but Narelle did. So, so she goes, oh, we better stop and call the police. And they they came and went through the place again. Was it sort of tucked away in in a, in a cavity behind? Well, the- there's, there's the the bed was built into the the wall of the floor. It's a built-in bed. Yeah. Uh, there was a drawer that you pulled out uh, under the bed for storage. Yeah. But you put you can pull that drawer all the way out, and that the cavity under the bed was where the where the, the stuff was. So if the police obviously the police didn't um, pull that drawer all the way out, or didn't have a good look around when they first did the when it first happened back in the nineties. So uh, yeah, don't know how they missed that. Could, could have been quite a. A crucial turn in that initial investigation had they. Uh... Well, well, the bed was there. Well, the bed was there has always been there. So the stuff could have been placed there after Penny. Mm. It was still used as a room after Penny. So when we got here, it was it was um, they'd been uh, scavenging parts out of the bathroom to to fix other bathrooms and uh, that sort of thing. So we just used it as a storage. Mm. So, and as far as I know, I think the, the hot people for us had the as a story as well. So, it hadn't been used for as a room for a long time, but it had been after Penny had been there. Yeah. So there's no telling when that stuff was put there. We, we didn't. It's, I don't know if the police were sorted out, but I, I, it's hard to say, I suppose, isn't it? So we straight away we got on to the police because I didn't have Jason's number at that time, um, and we couldn't get on to our police wasn't here, so someone from Binaway came. He must have got on to Jason, and it was like he had to sit and watch the room. We had to stop work, obviously. Mm. And um, I think Jason came the next day or the day after, and then and then the forensic bus came and, as said, they went over it again. And then as you began then unearthing, um, what was your next big find? Was it the what you found? Well, we just thought we found found gold and hopefully it'll um, help us solve the case so we set about looking into those those items what you know, were that, they? well look there was obviously there was a, a condom and there was um, some gauze and some, some an insurance card and a, um, a butt of a rifle we looked down there and, and that's why we started taking DNA and and doing making a number of inquiries it's also it was crucial to try and identify who who owned those items, you can take it out of the investigation. They may, they may not have anything to do with the case whatsoever. Being a motel, there's strangers coming and going. So it could have absolutely nothing to do with the case whatsoever, but, you know, you can't dismiss them until you find out who had the items and who put them there and for what reason, you know. What made him a person of interest? Oh, uh, look, just Coles. There was a number of things with Coles... Um, demeanour towards women uh, a number of statements from staff and the way he, he acted towards to women uh, his movements on that night and in the morning uh, there was a lot of a lot of circumstantial stuff that gave Cole weight to being a person of interest look um, 
obviously we interviewed a number of people and looked at information concerning Cole Bajan and his and his wife Barbara. Uh, we believe that information uh, that we obtained warranted a second inquest for Bajans to be answered some questions at an inquest. So, and as I said, Colin was a, a person of interest in the case and and we thought he had a case to answer for. And did they answer those questions the way that... No, look, he, he, he declined to answer, but um, the information we had, there was, there's some circumstantial information there that, that added weight to Colin being a, a person of interest in the case. Uh, and that's that for that reason, that's why we went for a second inquest to have Cole answer those questions in front of a coroner. So, yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, obviously, he didn't. He declined it, which is his rights to participate. Um, so you didn't get any answers that you were looking for. for oh, him. look, it, yeah, remain open, and and Cole's still a person of interest in this case. He knows that. At the second inquest into Penny's death, it was claimed that Cole Bajant had a reputation for violence and sexual harassment. On the third day of the inquest, a former employee, Tracy Lansdowne, at the time just a teenager, alleged in court that she was sacked by Barbara two weeks before Penny started after a drunken Colin had touched her inappropriately by putting his hands inside her top and pants. The inquest also heard allegations that Cole had a shocking temper and had physically abused all three of his wives, including Barbara. These allegations against Colin are unproven. One of the biggest difficulties for investigators in the case has been how many times Barbara has changed her story. She originally gave her husband an alibi, but then in 2010, she told detectives that she wasn't sure of his whereabouts on the fateful night and that she'd suspected her husband of being involved in the murder. But then, at the 2012 inquest, Barbara changed her story again and told the court she didn't believe he'd been involved. Counsel assisting the coroner, Warwick Hunt, claimed Barbara had been protecting Bajant since 1991. She denied the allegations and threatened to walk out of the inquest. Meanwhile, Bajant refused to attend. Colin Bajant has always vehemently denied any involvement in Penny's case, and the evidence does nothing to bring those denials into question. When journalist Alex Cullen from the Seven Network's Sunday night program tried to pin Bajant down, he was clear in his response. We had nothing to do with it. May God strike my children dead. Not a thing to do with it. After two coronial inquests, evidence emerged Bajant had a violent streak. He'd allegedly beaten his ex-wives. Are you protecting your ex-husband? No, I'm not. His staff also complained about his behaviour. Some staff gave evidence about being touched and propositions. So, yeah. At that particular motel? Or? Yeah, at that motel. The night Penny was bashed, Bajant had returned from a hunting trip just after 10pm. But the next morning, his van appeared to be parked in a different spot. We had nothing to do with it. Who killed Penny Hill? I don't know. If I knew, I would tell. I don't know. Another claim that came out of the second inquest was particularly hurtful for Penny's family. Mm. There was a claim that came out of the inquest that uh, Barbara may well have been the suspect, given that she feared Penny may have had an affair 
with coal? What do you yeah, say to look, those claims? I've heard that one and there's a lot of – that's speculation and we found no evidence that Penny was having an affair or having relations with any person in Kula. She'd only been there a few days. That's right, yeah. So the problem is is that Penny's – well, it's not a problem, but it, it's – her nature, she's just a, a – um, a very green uh, country girl who had a personality that that um, was warm and and you know just liked to get on and talk to everyone and you know as people if people thought that was meant something different they were wrong you know she's just a she was just a, a friendly person who, who who would talk to everyone. But Bajan's wife Barbara had nevertheless quickly taken against the young nanny. She told the original investigation team that she'd decided to sack Penny because she was too young and not responsible enough to care for her children. As we previously heard, Barbara had also booted Penny out of the family home and into one of the motel rooms after just one day. And she was also heard criticising Penny after she'd been bashed. Madeline Fian recalled at the second inquest walking into the motel shop and hearing Barbara talking to a woman about how she'd wanted to sack the nanny. What about Barbara, his wife? Yeah, Barbara. She was a person of interest, just the way, way Barbara behaved or acted in, in the um, during the investigation. And, you know, that's probably the best I can say. Mm. After the second inquest returned an open finding, investigators began a mammoth operation to match the DNA that was found in the used condom in the secret compartment to someone who'd been in Kula that weekend. Forensic scientists were able to date the condom to the time when Penny was murdered. Police collected DNA from more than 200 men, including locals and those that had been visiting Kula for one of the three major sporting events. So that's when you went about collecting all that DNA. Mm. Yeah, we went at collecting DNA and 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 trying to get matching profiles. This type of mass testing was often used to find the perpetrator of a crime, but because Kula was such a small town, it was more feasible to do it. Despite the extensive operation, police, however, couldn't match the DNA. That must have been a blow then. In these sort of cases you, you always hit brick walls but you gotta you gotta keep moving forward so look we just we just said about trying to um, you know identify uh, who had these items and and that sort of thing and but um, yeah it's still it's still outstanding significantly one man on the police list refused to be tested Jason Darcy won't reveal who that person is as I said, it, it it could have nothing to do with the case whatsoever, mm. but it could, it may have. We just, mm. you, it's just as important to eliminate it from the investigation as it is to, uh, you know, in, in bring it into the case. Another major clue was a car that Barbara Bajan claimed she'd seen in the car park of the motel that night. She believed it was a Commodore, but years later, Darcy and his team worked out that the car in question could have been a Datsun Stanza. Look on the night, on the night that um, Penny was assaulted, when Barbara went to bed, there was a car um, seen in the drive, in the going through the the, the car park of the motel, and uh, Barbara Bage and I saw the rear of the car, and, and she described it as similar to a Com- similar to a Commodore. So we we looked into that a fair bit, and we also found that uh, 
back in those days, the dat, the stanza had a similar sort of back. We started looking into those cars and, and other types of cars because we, we just didn't want to, you know, people's interpretations of cars are very different. If, if you're not, you know, at night and it's dark, people might say it's a, you know, a Commodore when it's actually a Ford and that sort of thing. So you, you just can't have blinkers in these sort of matters or any sort of matter. You've you got to... You got to cover off on everything, and so we f- we found that these these cars had a similar backing to it, which coincidentally Shane had a car that was similar to that. So we went looking for those sort of cars and and conducted a few uh, examinations of cars and looking for forensic evidence. The Shane that Jason is talking about here is Shane Williams, Penny's boyfriend, of just a few weeks. We will leave it there for today. Thank you for your company. I hope you can join me next time as we delve a little further into the unsolved murder of a 20-year-old young nanny named Penny Hill. If you have any information at all to contribute to this case, please email us, tips at pacificmags.com.au. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.